Welcome back to 15-Minute History. This season, Joe and I are going to bring you stories of heroes in history and the lessons they teach us today. Through a mix of biographies, events, and even some interviews, we want to inspire you, our audience, and remind you that there are still heroes in our world today. We will have more to say on this theme in our official Season 6 opener in a couple weeks. Joe and I also thought it would be fun to intersperse some Redux episodes from older seasons with upgraded audio quality and new discussion segments. In our first planning meeting two months ago, we agreed that In War and Peace, The House of Windsor should be our first Redux episode. With the loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II last week, it seemed appropriate to rearrange the schedule a bit. A discussion on the royal family with a special guest or two will follow next week, and then we'll kick off the new season on September 26th. So let's get started. In the midst of the First World War, as Britain and Germany were locked in a titanic struggle for the mastery of Europe, anti-German sentiment ran high on the streets of the United Kingdom. It reached its peak in March 1917, when German Gotha G4 bombers attacked London and other cities in southern England. The name Gotha became a household name for all Britons, but it was already familiar to many. The Royal House of Great Britain at the time was the House of Saxe-Coburg and Gotha, taking its name from Prince Albert, the husband of Queen Victoria. King George V, Victoria's grandson, was advised by Prime Minister David Lloyd George that some of this anti-German sentiment might transfer to the royal family. The king initially dismissed these concerns, but later that year when his cousin, Tsar Nicholas II of Russia, was forced to abdicate and the specter of republicanism arose in Britain, King George issued a proclamation. Now, therefore, we, out of our royal will and authority, do hereby declare and announce that as from the date of this our royal proclamation, our house and family shall be styled and known as the house and family of Windsor, and that all descendants in the male line of our said grandmother Queen Victoria, who are subjects of these realms, other than female descendants who may marry or may have married, shall bear the said name of Windsor. With this declaration, George V created the royal house which still reigns in the United Kingdom under its current head, King Charles III. The name Windsor has long been associated with Great Britain and the royal family, particularly from the castle which bears the name, and has been a favorite residence of many Windsor monarchs. The House of Windsor has reigned in Great Britain for over a century and has led the country through some of the most turbulent and transformative events in world history. For 17 years, he did nothing at all but kill animals and stick in stamps. George V was the grandson of the great Queen Victoria. Born in 1865 to the future King Edward VII, he was not expected to inherit the throne until the death of his elder brother, Prince Albert Victor, in 1892. George and his brother were educated together, and in his youth he showed little aptitude for academics, so he instead joined the Royal Navy and went on tours of the empire with his parents and siblings. He married Princess Victoria Mary of Teck in 1893 and remained totally devoted to her throughout their lives together. When his father ascended to the throne in 1901, George was permitted to read state papers and spent time with King Edward in preparation for the day in which he would eventually become king. Father and son were incredibly close, and when Edward died in 1910, George wrote in his diary, I have lost my best friend and the best of fathers. I have never had a cross word with him. In his early years as king and emperor, George played the role of mediator at a turbulent time in British politics. 
The rise of socialism in the Labour Party had upended the traditional liberal conservative dynamic in the House of Commons, and George was often called upon to help the three parties find consensus on contentious issues. The Irish question continued to plague Britain, and while personally opposed to the idea of home rule, the king always remained neutral in the discussions between the cabinet and Irish nationalist group Sinn Féin. But George's rule would change forever in August 1914, when Great Britain declared war on the German Empire, which was then ruled by the king's older cousin, Kaiser Wilhelm II. As thousands of Britons died each month in the trenches in Flanders, the king did his best to keep up public morale by blaming the war on the Kaiser. Anti-German sentiment led to the creation of the House of Windsor in 1917, and when the King's Court was criticized by the writer H.G. Wells as alien and uninspiring, George famously retorted, I may be uninspiring, but I'll be damned if I'm alien. When the war ended, King George returned to his mediatory role in British politics as socialism and republicanism swept across Europe and drove one monarch after another from his throne. For the British people, the king had become a symbol of stability and unity in a dangerous time. George and Mary had six children in all, Edward, Albert, Mary, Henry, George, and John, who died at the age of 13. Edward, the Prince of Wales and known as David within the family, was handsome and outgoing, and his freewheeling lifestyle and many affairs with married women soured his relationship with the king. Albert, or Bertie, who was as unlike his elder brother as was possible, was a devoted family man who shied away from the spotlight due to a speech impediment. David's love life eventually thrust the royal family into controversy when he took up with a married American woman, and the affair forever destroyed any respect father and son had for each other. It would also have serious consequences for the family and the nation. The Great War had destroyed King George's health, combined with his years of heavy smoking. As he grew older, the king spent more time at his country estates collecting stamps, shooting pheasants, and doting on his eldest granddaughter, Elizabeth, whom he affectionately called Lilibet. The king fell ill in December 1935 at Sandringham House and took to his bed, from which he never rose again. On January 20th, 1936, the king's death was announced to the nation and the world with the words that he was, more than a king, a father of a great family. The boy will ruin himself within 12 months. David, Prince of Wales, became king on the death of his father on January 20, 1936. Already consumed by love for the married American Wallace Simpson, King Edward VIII's short reign nearly tore Great Britain apart. Edward wished to reign in a more modern fashion than his father had done, and he routinely broke with centuries of royal tradition in both his actions and demeanor as king. The British people loved their young, handsome king and believed him to be a symbol of a new age for the country. They knew little of what was going on behind the scenes and in the king's bedchambers. The cabinet of Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin knew the truth about King Edward, that he was incautious with state papers and allowed his guests to read them freely, that his mistress was also having an affair with the Nazi German ambassador Joachim von Ribbentrop, and that the king had expressed on numerous occasions his admiration for fascism in general and for Adolf Hitler's rule in Germany in particular. In November 1936, Edward summoned the prime minister and informed him that he intended to marry Mrs. Simpson once her divorce from her previous husband was finalized. Stanley Baldwin told the king that the public would not accept the marriage, and that as head of the Church of England, Edward could not marry a divorcee. The king tried to reason with the prime minister, but nothing could be done. He thus had three options, give up Mrs. Simpson, marry her against the wishes of the government, or abdicate the throne. 
Edward was unwilling to break off the relationship, and he knew that to marry her against the cabinet's wishes would lead to a constitutional crisis, so he chose to relinquish the throne. On December 10, 1936, Edward met with the Privy Council and his brothers at Fort Belvedere, where he signed the instrument of abdication. He then broadcast a message to the Empire and the world announcing his abdication before leaving Great Britain for exile in France. His mistress joined him in early 1937, and they were married in June of that year. His successor named David Duke of Windsor, and the relationship between the Duke and his family would remain turbulent until his death in 1972. I pray to God that nothing will come between Bertie and Lilibet and the throne. In many ways, Prince Albert Frederick Arthur George was the image of his father, King George V. Not academically gifted, but dedicated to public service, not expecting to inherit the throne until a catastrophe struck the family, a devoted husband and loving father, the new King George VI was nervous upon taking the throne, but resolved to do his duty. In a letter to his mother, Queen Mary, he wrote of what happened when he learned of his brother's abdication. I broke down and sobbed like a child. The coronation of George VI and his wife, Queen Elizabeth, took place in May 1937, the date which had been planned for Edward VIII's, and almost immediately the new king was thrust into the perilous situation developing in Europe. German and Italian aggression in Africa and Spain brought the continent ever closer to war, and the governments of Stanley Baldwin and Neville Chamberlain desperately hoped to appease the fascist dictators. George VI initially supported the policy of appeasement, and continued to do so even after the outbreak of war in 1939. As the Germans swept across France in May 1940 and Chamberlain's government collapsed, the king made it known privately that he hoped Sir Edward Halifax, one of the architects of appeasement, would become prime minister and open negotiations with Hitler. However, the consensus among the people and the House of Commons was for a more aggressive man to take the center chair in Downing Street, and the ruling Conservative Party bypassed Halifax for Winston Churchill. This decision, initially opposed by the king, would ultimately define his reign. Churchill and George VI had come into conflict in the years before the abdication crisis, and the politician had supported Edward VIII until he relinquished the throne. Churchill's reputation as the man who had cost thousands of lives at Gallipoli during the Great War, combined with his aggressive tone when describing the dangers of appeasement, had made him unfit for national service in the king's eyes. Their first meeting was quite cold and formal, but over the course of the wartime years, they grew close and came to see eye to eye on the need to defeat Germany and win the war for the cause of world freedom. When some Britons urged the king to depart the country for Canada as the Germans prepared for an invasion, George VI received Churchill's warm support in his resolve never to abandon his post. During the Battle of Britain, the two men toured bombed-out areas and boosted the morale of the common people, which historians have said did as much to keep Britain fighting as did the bravery of her pilots. When victory came in May 1945, the king invited Churchill onto the balcony at Buckingham Palace to receive the adulation of the crowd, and he wrote a heartfelt letter of condolence to the prime minister upon his electoral defeat later that year. The peace that followed the fall of Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan was turbulent for Great Britain, and the king's health soon began to fade, exacerbated, like his father's had been, by his heavy smoking of cigarettes. Britain's strength had been sapped during the war, and she was unable to hold her colonial empire together. India became independent in 1947, and other colonies departed the empire for the rest of George's reign. The king spent much of his time with his family or on tours of the empire until 1949, when a journey to Australia and New Zealand had to be delayed due to a serious illness. 
George never fully recovered, and his daughter Elizabeth took on more royal duties as heiress presumptive. She completed her father's tour in 1950 and was by his side when his left lung was removed a year later after a malignant tumor was found. On January 31, 1952, King George accompanied his daughter to London Airport to see her off for a second tour of Australia via Kenya. It was the last time the two would see each other. George VI died in his sleep a week later on February 6th, and the princess flew home from Kenya as Queen Elizabeth II. It has always been easy to hate and destroy. To build and cherish is much more difficult. Elizabeth II was the longest reigning monarch in British history, as well as the world's longest reigning female head of state. Coming to the throne at the age of 26, the youngest of the Windsor monarchs, her reign saw the most incredible changes in British history since the end of the Middle Ages. In 1952, Great Britain stood as one of the world's leading powers, a victorious empire who had crushed the monstrous tyranny of Nazi Germany and whose flag flew over a quarter of the Earth's surface. Today, Britain remains a strong nation, though one with significantly diminished influence. The post-war rise of the United States and the Soviet Union supplanted the old European imperial powers, and the strain of war led to the collapse of the British Empire. Yet Elizabeth's steady hand and wise counsel balanced the British ship of state. More than any of the other Windsor monarchs, Queen Elizabeth lived two lives. In public, she was always serene and detached from the day-to-day -day political and social movements of British life. Having been served by 15 prime ministers of both Labour and Conservative parties, she remained independent and neutral in political matters, though the British press often speculated about her private views. Royal commentators observed that her attitude must have been the product of her upbringing by George VI and Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother, both of whom taught her from a young age that her duty was to the nation first. As Queen, Elizabeth was a model constitutional monarch, one who reigned but did not rule. The Queen's private life was far more turbulent. She adored both her father and grandfather, and royal watchers believed that her toxic relationship with her uncle Edward, Duke of Windsor, stemmed from her belief that his affair and abdication contributed to both men's early deaths. When her younger sister Margaret sought permission to marry a divorced man, the Queen forbade the marriage. She remembered how a royal scandal involving a divorcee had brought down her uncle and driven her father to the throne, and she was determined never to permit this to happen again. Sadly, divorce remained a constant menace to her family as one royal marriage after another fell apart, most famously and publicly that of her son, Prince Charles, to Diana Spencer. For her part, Elizabeth always remained faithful to her husband Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, and while rumors swirled in the tabloids of his infidelity, the two always remained a rock of strong traditional family values in public. The Queen continued to enjoy broad public support for the rest of her life, though that for her son Charles waxed and waned as he commented on political matters and carried on an affair with Camilla Parker Bowles, whom he married in 2005. Her death in September 2022 inspired waves of condolence messages and an outpouring of grief and love for the departed monarch. Find a presentable wife, father a male heir, and preferably a male spare as well, and keep the show on the road. The future of the House of Windsor seems secure for the time being. Prince Charles has now inherited the throne as King Charles III, after the longest time spent as an heir apparent in British history, and he will then be succeeded by Prince William, formerly Duke of Cambridge and now Prince of Wales. 
William and his wife, Catherine Middleton, have three children, George, Charlotte, and Louis, and the royal family has continued to expand with Prince Harry's marriage to Meghan Markle in 2018 and the birth of their two children, Archie and Lilibet. As Great Britain continues forward into an unknown future, it is believed that the House of Windsor will continue to provide the sense of order and stability which the British public crave and for which this noble and duty-minded family is famous. Thank you for joining us on 15-Minute History. Please take a moment and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. It really does help. If you would like to help us make this podcast even better, please visit our website, 15minutehistorypodcast.org, and click the support button. Thank you, and we will see you next week.